My job was to find out who killed Stephen so I could tell Sandy, this is what happened to your son. That's always been my goal. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime, and it's not just a tagline, we deliver, and you'll know why after you've watched this very episode you are viewing right now. Of course, as we know by now, Alec Murdoch is a convicted killer. He went from prominent attorney uh, to convicted killer. And now in his wake, there are a growing number of questions. Uh, one of them, will Stephen Smith's death be solved? Uh, that has been in the news all week. We'll get into that. Also, will Buster Murdoch be given his privacy? Uh, and so much more. Best guest here to discuss all of this. You probably know his face from TV and the Netflix doc and so many other things. He is Hampton County native Michael M. DeWitt Jr. He is a multiple award-winning journalist and longtime editor of the 143-year-old The Hampton County Guardian. Uh, DeWitt's boots on the ground coverage of the Murdoch crime saga has been published in print and online around Gannett's nationwide USA Today network. And he has appeared on ABC's 2020, CBS's 48 Hours, Dateline NBC, and as I just mentioned, the Netflix documentaries to discuss this very case uh, regarding Alec Murdoch. Sarah Ford in the florally looking blouse has served as legal director at the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network since 2017, where she leads a team of attorneys and advocates to provide direct legal services to South Carolina crime victims. She is a former South Carolina prosecutor. And most importantly, she hosts the podcast Palmetto Prime Time, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. And now I know why I can't read because I don't have my glasses. Amy Zimmercheck is the owner of the AJZ Law Firm LLC, focusing on criminal defense, PCRs, and plaintiffs' cases in both state and federal courts. She's been voted as a member of Super Lawyers continuously since 2019. She's had over 10 not guilties on felony cases, including murder and rape, since 2009. Last but not least, the man with the grandfather clock over his left shoulder, Stephen Peterson was a senior special uh, agent of the United States Department of Justice uh, for nearly three decades. And at the time of his retirement was the most senior DEA street agent in the world. He's now a South Carolina private investigator working for Stephen Smith's family. We'll get into that as well. And was also featured in the Netflix series about the Murdoch murders. A couple quick uh, notes. Of course, as usual, please follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter. We are at Podcast STS. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, please, if you're listening to the podcast, leave us a nice uh, rating on the audio platforms. It, it helps us a lot. And you can support us at Patreon as well as become a YouTube member. Um, without further ado, um, Michael, to you first here. I think I read that your family has been in Hampton County for something like 300 years. Uh, now that the trial of the century is over, what do you think its long-lasting impact will be? 
there's a lot of hurt in this community, a lot of mistrust. Um, two of the most prominent families in our community, uh, you know, members of those families were involved in this. Our, you know, the the icons, if you will, of our legal system and our banking system here in, in Hampton County. Um, people that everyone trusted and looked up to. <clears throat> there are going to be a lot of uh, a lot more to come with the financial crimes and all of that. But right now, there are still some families out there that are uh, that are waiting for answers and waiting for justice, and they can't even begin to heal until you know they get they get some closure. And uh, Sarah, you know, same question to you. You guys are. Uh born and bred, living in South Carolina. What do you think the lasting impact of this whole saga will be, Sarah? I think it's too soon to tell, Joel. I mean, we've we've just completed one piece of this extremely large puzzle. Um, and I think that, you know, there are so many people, you know, like Michael said, that um, there is so much out there that we still don't know, that we still don't understand. Um, there are so many additional trials that, that are going to have to happen. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, the investigation is still kind of ongoing with SLED. You know, I think that this case has a lot of tentacles. Um, and I think that we're not even fully aware of, of where it's all going to go. Um, but I do know that, you know, growing up in a small town, just about 40 miles from there, I, I get it. I understand it. It's, um, it's really difficult. And I, I really hope that, you know, the community in Hampton County can, can begin to get some closure, but I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon with, um, with things that, with the financial trials that we're going to expect soon. And Michael, did you know Alec personally prior to all this? I did. Um, if you are involved in any kind of social or civic life in Hampton County, you, you know, the Murdoch's, uh, um, everybody knew the Murdochs, but I, <clears throat> I had uh, an opportunity to cover um, the family for uh, the 20 years I've been with the paper. Uh, in fact, I told someone the other day, the last murder trial that I covered from start to finish, the prosecutor was Alex's father. And uh, so, um, yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm familiar with his family. I went to school with, uh, with his younger brother and his mother taught me in school. So this family is well known and well immersed in the community. And what was it like for you personally when this when this all started to develop? And then obviously when he went on trial for these heinous murders and then the conviction. I mean, personally, was it jarring? Was it eerie, upsetting, all those things? The financial allegations weren't so shocking. I mean... <clears throat> We always had a little suspicion that, that uh, you know, to use a, a common word that uh, we, we always felt Alex was a little shady. You just get a vibe about people, but it's not something you necessarily vocalize. You know, you don't have any any evidence. You know, you just get a vibe about someone. And uh, so I wasn't shocked. And I don't think too many people were shocked when we found out that he was um, – <clears throat> stealing from clients and things of that nature. We were shocked by the magnitude of it. What really shocked everyone was the homicides and the fact that he was accused of killing his own son. 
even more than, than killing his spouse. As you know, domestic violence is quite common. At one time, unfortunate and tragic, but common. At one time, South Carolina led the nation in, in terms of women killed by men. So to imagine that and in the picture him being charged with killing his own son, what I know of the Murdoch family, they they value family. They love family. That family name means something to them, and they're a tight-knit group, tight-knit clan, and that was shocking, and that was hard to imagine for me and for most local people. Uh, we'll get we'll, we'll swing back around on that. I'll ask you about you know what you think the motive is, but let's get through some comments here. Uh, Laura writes, hello, everyone from Toronto, Canada. Happy to be here. I found you, Joel, during the Murdoch trial, and I'm thrilled that I did. Love your channel. Hello from South Louisiana. What's up, Tim? Uh, hey, everyone from East Tennessee. Just found this channel a couple of weeks ago and love it. We hope you stick around to Washington State to one of our show favorites here, Papa Bear from Moscow, Idaho, the epicenter of that horrendous quadruple homicide at the University of Idaho. And then uh, my name, my name favorite uh, at STS Nation, Shaquille Oatmeal. Uh, hello to the best show on YouTube. Thank you, Jody Johnston, friend of the show. Uh, hello from Virginia. Amy, to you, you're uh, representing Cousin Eddie. Um, there was all this talk about would he testify? Wouldn't he testify? How is Cousin Eddie doing today? Well, he's not doing great. He's still incarcerated, but things are moving. I'm not really at, a, uh, at liberty to speak about kind of what the discussions are, but, um, but you know, he's certainly ready to not be incarcerated. And what was his reaction? Uh, I'm sure you talked to him since uh, about the conviction. He was not surprised. <laughs> at all. At um, all. C. Griffin writes, hello from Boise, Idaho. And Amy, you're obviously um, Boise, Idaho, of course, where the uh, Lori Vallow Daybell trial is about to happen. We're covering that. And today the death penalty was taken off the table. Some people are uh, chiming in with comments about that. Um, Julie Frew, I love this. She writes, our little SCS nation will not be knocked down by Karen's or Brad's. Brad is a guy that gave us one star. We're going after him. Not because he went after me, but he went after STS Nation. Called them the D word, which rhymes with rum. Anyway, um, Steve, you're the only, uh, and you're you're muted here, Steve. You're the only um, non-native. Uh, you're a Bostonian. You can hear it in the accent, but uh, so you're sort of the outsider. What was your uh, what was your take? Uh, or what is your take now in the wake of this uh, conviction on this double homicide here for Alec Murdoch? Well, I, I'm a Bostonian by birth, but I've spent the last 40 years south of the Mason-Dixon line. So I've lived in the south longer than I lived in the north. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't know any of these people. I didn't know any of the families. I, I was not familiar with the name. I've only lived in, in Charlestown about uh, about six years now, coming up, I guess, seven years. So I wasn't that familiar with anybody until the murder of Paul and Maggie. And that's when I was introduced to the circus. And it, and it, it really became a circus when you think about it. And all these uh, deaths that seemed to somehow be involved with the family, whether they truly were or not, 
They all, all suspicious, all involved. And while everybody makes fun of, of the South and the good old boy network and so forth, you know, that type of system exists everywhere. It exists in the Northeast, in the Midwest, in the South. It's everywhere. We've always said it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's always what's mattered. And, you know, you're seeing it in New York City play out right now with the DA going after Trump. You know, people have agendas. And so people pursue things or people don't pursue things because based on who they are and what their agendas are. So I didn't find it that surprising. What I found surprising was a jury was able to see through the BS because after Casey Anthony, I had lost total faith in all juries. I've always said that a jury is nothing but 12 people too stupid to get out of jury duty. And I just didn't think that they could see through the BS and come back with a conviction. I'm incredibly impressed. I'm very proud of it. Brought my, it brought me back, gave my faith back in humanity. So I'm happy in that respect. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I, could, I could hear the cynicism. I saw I thought Sarah Ford was going to jump out of her chair, but she remained calm. I love it. Uh, Tracy, uh, I'm sorry, Jessica writes, Joel, my five stars on Apple officially. Haters going to hate. Thank you so much. I love that. I appreciate that. Tracy Jones, tucked up in bed listening from the UK. I love it. Um, over to Laura Sanders Realty. Yay, I got a live. Love you all. Love you back. Uh, Texas in the house. Laura Lynn Lulu is here. Um, so, Michael, back to you. I mean, a little bit, a very little bit A time has passed. Um, the question no one really knows the answer to, and I don't suspect you do, but you have any um, thoughts on why Alec Murdoch decided to commit this heinous pair of murders uh, and obviously take out his own son? Any clarity at all on motive here? When, when the charges were first announced, I was skeptical of him pulling the trigger with his own son. Uh, and a lot of people were. We, we felt like they were dead because of Alex. We felt like they were maybe something he was involved in. You know, the whole gang drug thing. You know, I've heard um, theories that, you know, he owed somebody money or he crossed somebody and, um, or more recently, uh, you know, and even up to the beginning of the trial, one of my theories was, okay, he, he killed Maggie and somebody else killed his son. There's no way he could have possibly pulled the trigger and killed his own son. And I was skeptical of the, of the attorney general's motive, um, the, to, you know, it, it, if you thought about it, it on one hand, it made sense on the other. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a far leap, uh, you know, but as the case progressed and as I came to know more evidence as I, and this, and the circumstances leading up to June 7th, as we came to know more about Alex Murdoch's personality and his drug addiction, the motive makes perfect sense to me. The, it was a combination of his uh, personality. I don't know if you would call it sociopathic or psychopathic, but a combination of his personality where truly he only cared about himself, uh, kind of his morality kind of dulled by drug use and abuse, 
combined with that motive, he was confronted on June 7th about missing uh, stolen legal fees. He had a big <clears throat> hearing coming up for the boat case, and he's a personal injury lawyer. He knows that if the world, which would include the jury pool, sees him as the victim of vigilantes, Mark Tinsley said so on, on the stand. This boat case goes away. If he's a victim, no jury is going to, uh, uh, you know, award, make Alex Murdoch pay a bunch of money if his family's dead. And yeah, by the end of the trial, I was very much like the jury. I very much believe he did it. And I very much believe that motive coupled with drug abuse and his own personality makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Lindsay Shea writes, uh, Steve, this one's for me and you. Hi. Uh, hi, all. Jersey girl living in Quincy, Mass. She covers all the bases. Followed by Tina. Hello from Germany. And then this one right here. Ava Riley. Is that Cousin Eddie's lawyer on the top right? It sure is. That is Amy Zimmerchek. Amy, to you, have you given any more thought to motive? The, the why is really the question that hasn't been answered. Any thoughts on it further uh, any further thoughts on it now that some time has passed? You know, I still, um, I still don't think that we have the, the real why. Um, I do think that he had planned this for quite some time. Um, you know, I think that discounting um, what Paul was doing to, to the family name, you know, that, that was, that was bad. Um, and it's just so, you know, it's just so, hard to, to not know. Um, you know, I think we talked, we started off talking about Sandy Smith and, you know, them wanting to do all that, um, you know, exhumation and private autopsy because they want to know, um, you know, and I think that that's, that's probably one of the most frustrating aspects of, of doing these criminal cases, especially when we don't, we didn't get the investigation that we should have in any of the cases. I think that it, you know, it makes it incredibly frustrating um, to not know. Um, but the thing with the thing that we do know about Alec is that you never got what you saw. I mean, he used and manipulated everyone around him. So, you know, I don't know that it's possible. And uh, Marina chiming in from Spain. We're all watching quality conversation while so many are getting riled up by their TV with so much nonsense in the form of empty sound bites. No empty sound bites here. We let our guests talk. Uh, Steve, to you, uh, obviously you're a DEA agent for many, many, many years. Uh, you've learned how to read people, especially bad guys. Uh, now that a few weeks have passed, any more thoughts on why? Why did he do this? Uh, got to unmute yourself. I'm trying to be polite because my grandfather clock apparently is still bonging in the background. <laughs> so I, I've been muting. But, I, you know, why did he do it? I believe he did it because, number for a couple of reasons. One was Paul was a major liability to his name, to, to the family, and to Alex's pocketbook. Paul is a huge liability. I believe Paul inadvertently struck Gloria Satterfield and caused her death. She fell down the stairs, hit her head, went into the hospital and died a few weeks later. I believe Paul was the source of that. I believe that because Alex commits perjury by testifying in a deposition that he was there when, when 
Gloria's on the ground and Gloria tells him she tripped over the dogs. He wasn't there. That never happened. He was already controlling the narrative. He was already planting the seed for everybody to believe this is the reason. He's protecting Paul. He's protecting his family. He did the exact same thing later on with the beaches, at the hospital, with all the other people. He's trying to control the narrative, trying to control the statements that are out there. Now, now his the house of cards is falling down. And as the house collapses, he finds out that his law firm is onto his stealing. And that's been going on for years and years and years. So all these things are hitting him all at once. And I think he just snapped. I don't believe this addiction problem, $50,000 worth of, of oxys or uh, hydrocodone a day. I don't believe that for a second. I think he just freaked. He panicked. I don't know why he went after Maggie. I don't, I don't know that. Well, you know, we're trying to make sense out of nonsense. And it's pretty tough to do that. But, uh, but I believe all this stuff came to a head. He figured just as Tinsley had testified, if he could prove, if he could show, and I think he, he planned on, his goal was to pin it all on Cousin Eddie. And I think if he could plan that, if he could get that out, if he could play with that, everybody would feel so sorry for Alex. Everybody would, they would overlook everything else. And once again, he'd get away with it. And, and Amy, do you, yeah, Amy, do you, you know, cousin Eddie better than anyone. Does he agree with uh, Steve that it, Alec was ultimately trying to pin the blame on him for, for all this? Um, well, I think obviously what he believes now is, is a lot different than what he believed at the time. But um, what he believes now is what I've believed all along, which is I have no doubt that Alec lured him out to the side of the road to kill him and, and pin every little bit of this on him and his, all of his troubles would have been gone. Yep. Um, Sandra D writes, watching from Sicily, Italy. I never miss an episode. We should do a couple of lives in Sicily. Shout out to one of my favorite shows, White Lotus. Second season took place there. Baby Doll. Love STS Nation. To Julie Fru. I love that Michael is here. Michael. Um, Stephen Smith. Let's get into this. 2015, I assume you were on this uh, from the very beginning. Uh, when did you first learn of it? Uh, did you think it was a hit and run? Have you changed your opinion since then? Okay, great. <clears throat> and, and are we allowed to circle back later and, and uh, disagree with the fellow guest about anything? Um, this is You could do yeah. that right now. When I, this is your show, whenever you want. No, no, I, and, and respectfully disagree. I, I just want to... <laughs> Let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that now. What are you respectfully disagreeing with? Well, I, I like um, to couple what Amy was saying. Um, I think Paul was a problem and he did, uh, you know, just begin the he did begin the downfall of this family name. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think that's why he was killed. I think it made it easier to kill him. Um, Paul, the damage was already done. Paul had already done. With this boat crash case, other than financial damage, the the veneer had been stripped off the the, the gilded Murdoch legacy. Um, that family name couldn't go through the ringer anymore by Paul's actions. The only uh, liability was going to be in the form of millions of dollars in the in the crash. And um, to respectfully disagree with. Um, with Stephen, we don't have any evidence that Paul 
that there was any foul play in in Gloria's death. Her own attorneys and her own family have told me they don't think she was pushed. They, they think it was merely an accident. But what Alex did, if you look at all the evidence and look at the financial crimes and all that, he sprang into action because he saw a way to make money off her death. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he lied and said that he was there and she tripped over dogs, all of that is to fit the criteria for the insurance. If it, if she had fallen in the course of um, her job, for example, that might have fallen under workers' comp. Um, he was trying to steer that narrative. Stephen was right about that. He was trying to steer the narrative, but he was trying to do it in a way that the insurance would pay off. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he was covering for Paul. Paul, Paul was, was not the perfect young man, but from what we've seen and heard, uh, Gloria was almost like a mother to him. I'm not saying it wouldn't be possible for him to, to do something in a fit of rage, but we don't have any evidence that he, that he pushed Gloria. And um, I think with so many rumors going around, it's, it's, it's probably, we can speculate a lot, but it's probably important to stick to the evidence as much as possible. So there's my respectful um, hey, dissertation. I, I, I can't, I, listen, I can't, I can't, fault your logic at all it's totally logical my belief is based on paul's reaction to other people as well i know he cared for gloria i don't believe for a second he intended to injure gloria i believe he just erupted and pushed her she tripped and fell i don't believe that was the intent by any means but i mean if you talk to i've interviewed enough people around there who said he was a great kid but he had a temper that would snap like that and he would become angry. He he hit his girlfriend, right? One even of the caretakers of the Moselle property said, I saw his temper. He erupted uh, uh, illogically. And when he did it, he was, he was violent and snapped. He would regain himself if he was sober. He would get, regain control quickly. But uh, so that's, then you put in the Alex narrative. And, and I think half of it was, to get the money, but I think the other half was to steer any suspicion away from Paul. I could be completely wrong. I could be it's just a theory, but <laughs> I stick with it. Uh, Linda Feldman writes: uh, Did I miss something about the drug usage for Alec? Was it decided that uh, he never was using drugs? Was the so-called rehab ever discovered or discussed? Um, Michael, do you know anything about this? Because uh, we've asked Steve, who just responded to you. Uh, he is a former DEA agent. Said there's no way in hell fifty thousand dollars a week on uh, on oxy uh, was happening, and you'd still be alive. So, do we know anything about the extent of his actual drug usage? Uh, <clears throat> he had a a pill problem, um, but as with everything with Alex. Uh, Everything is exaggerated. Everything is a lie. Um, there's just no way that you could use. Uh, he testified about how many thousands of milligrams of, of, of uh, drugs he was taking. And um, like Creighton Waters, you know, stated during the trial, is that even survivable? Uh, if you look at the, the what drugs cost and how many um, uh, drugs a, a healthy person can take, there's no way he was using that kind of um of, of of pills and that frequency 
I think that he might have been spending fifty thousand uh, uh, um, dollars a week, uh, which is doubtful. But if he was doing that, he was buying drugs to sell. And one theory I've had uh, is that that was a form of um, of untaxed, unknown revenue. If you go out and steal fifty grand from a client, you can buy some drugs and turn that fifty grand into two hundred grand or a quarter million or whatever drugs mark up for. So I think it was a way to double his his money and launder that money. In the wake of the boat crash, every dollar he could he could raise and hide from um, the law firm and hide from Mark Tinsley, he was trying to do it. And I think that 50 grand, if he did spend 50 grand, he was doing it to, to make money. He wasn't, he wasn't ingesting 50 grand worth of drugs. <laughs> I, I hope not for his sake, but uh, <laughs> he, he may hope so because uh, he wouldn't be here right now. He wouldn't, wouldn't be sitting in prison. Kim, thank you to you becoming a YouTube member. Uh, followed up here by Rose Shiflett. Hey, SCS Nation, best true crime show on YouTube. Let's not forget that it takes a special kind of evil for someone to blow his son's brains out. That is next level uh, crazy. And it is coming to you from someone who is the father of a young son. Um, completely inexplicable to a normal and i'm not that normal but to a somewhat normal human being um sarah you are now hosting the super successful palmetto primetime podcast uh you do it on both youtube and wherever you listen to audio uh what are are you getting lingering questions uh on the show and what are the big ones uh what are people coming to you for there and asking you about I think a lot of people are still very confused about the dynamic or the, or the motive. Um, and that's just something that we've all said, but you can't, you can't rationalize the irrational. And I think a lot of people like to think about domestic violence as being simply between a husband and a wife or, or partners, but that's not correct. It, it's a familial issue. Um, so I think it's important for us to, to, to talk about that. And I do want to push back a little bit on, on something Michael said, um, you know, it is not uncommon for parents to kill their kids. We want to think that, but it's not. The statistics tell us that five, 600 kids a year in the United States are killed by their parents. And that's a lot of kids. Those are a lot of families that are affected by, by this. Um, and when you're looking at someone who had their entire world starting to crumble, not just because of Paul and the boat accident, but because Alec Murdoch's own actions, his, his theft, him stealing from his clients, the most vulnerable, the vulnerable, his world, he's the one that started this entire thing from, from crumbling. Um, so I think that it's really important for us to, to we're not going to always know the answers. Uh, you know, we can, we can speculate from now until kingdom come, but we're not going to have the answers. And, and it's, I just want to make sure that people understand because it's so important to me and domestic violence is such a huge issue that it is not necessarily just partner, partner. It is familial and it's it's not necessarily rare that the parents would harm or even kill their kids. So. Uh, Missy Royal writes, there's literally no evidence Paul pushed Gloria down the stairs or anyone else. Her family has Eric and Eric Bland have said they do not suspect foul play uh, in her death to back up. Uh, what Michael's been saying as well. Uh, Michael, we were kind of circling toward Stephen Smith and then got derailed um, for a moment. So back to you on Stephen Smith. Uh, when did you start covering this and have your thoughts on this whole notion of a hit and run changed? And then we'll get into what the mother is saying. 
Um, <clears throat> thank you. And uh, it was me who, do, who derailed it. So my apologies. Uh, All good. We've been covering the Stephen Smith case since since it happened in 2015. And um, we appealed to the community uh, for information, for answers. We did a, a couple of front page stories. We did um, a couple of really big stories. Thanksgiving week of 2015, we did a front page story coupled with a front page editorial. And as you know, uh, most newspapers, it's usually not policy to put an editorial on the front page, but I kind of broke the rules a little bit. And um, I got my reporter, Matt Popovich, to write the story. And um, I think Matt wrote the editorial. And basically, we said that uh, Sandy Smith had heard the same rumors we were hearing, that um, I was a classmate or classmates of, of Stephen, uh, members from prominent families or a prominent family. And she pleaded with the community, please, uh, you know, we, we, we need answers. We want justice. And um, <clears throat> we're at the time now we are part, the Hampton County Guardian is part of the USA Today network. And I've got great support from my team and um, the stories here from Hampton are now uh, amplified at a national level. But at the time we belonged to a different newspaper organization, still, you know, great company, but at the time, we were very much a small weekly community newspaper without the national support that we have now and the national stage that we have now. So our pleas just didn't gain traction. We were, uh, you know, um, at a small country weekly paper. Uh, Hampton County wasn't ready to react. The world at the time didn't know Stephen Smith existed, didn't know we existed, didn't care. So it very quickly became a cold case and being a small newspaper at the time I had one reporter and then that quickly became just me. I, I've been a newsroom of one for the past few years. And uh, so it's, it's very hard for a small newspaper to do real investigative journalism and follow one story from start to finish. So um much to uh, to my regret, this this kind of fell off the radar for everybody for a while until the boat crash happened. And uh, Michael and I are living parallel lives, although I've got my chief marketing officer, my wife, and the great Steve Cohen helping <laughs> me on this podcast because can't go it alone. Um, meanwhile, Jen writes, can we talk about Buster after losing his family, being persecuted by the public based on rumors? We are going to get into that. And I'm glad you brought it up. Buster's getting a bad rap. We will get to that and we'll let the um panel weigh in as well and then look at this show we get comments with the names in hebrew uh amy z to you uh why do you think he didn't kill buster as well and then we're getting back to stephen smith why didn't he call him to come to the house that night have you ever pondered this question no buster buster really was living a, a separate you know i mean even though he's in his 20s a separate kind of grown-up life he had a, a you know a girlfriend um, he worked um, in York County, which is all the way at the top of the state towards North Carolina, it's like borders North Carolina. Um, you know, he really um, had started to enter that more independent phase of his life. And also he hasn't, he hasn't, aside from getting expelled from law school, which wasn't, nobody really knew about until all of this came about, you know, he hasn't really brought 
that much shame onto the family name. And he, you know, they were working to, to pay to get him back into law school. So, you know, he really wasn't causing problems for the, for the family or the family name. And in fact, was kind of the next generation of, you know, lawyers, leader kind of, you know, to carry on exactly what the family had been doing this whole time. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't ever think that that crossed his mind at all. Um, La 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 Lee. STS Nation, this truly is a great show, great guest, and intelligent conversation followed here by a friend of the show, Jay Thomas Reset. Y'all are still assuming Alec killed his wife's son with his own hands. I disagree. No direct evidence. Non-terrible investigation signed. Devil's advocate. We can all agree to disagree, but he is sitting in prison for these crimes uh, one way or the other. So uh, that is how it goes. Jay Thomas Reset. And say hello to your wife. So um, Michael, to you, um, seven years ago, he's struck, uh, a, according to reports, struck by this car and killed. Um, Sandy Smith, uh, because of the high profile nature of the Alec Murdoch trial, was very quickly after the conviction, post conviction, from what I understand, able to raise close to $70,000 to fund this uh, independent exhumation and autopsy for her son. Uh, and it is now going to happen. Uh, what can you tell us about this uh, impending exhumation and how this will all play out in the coming uh, days and weeks? Sandy was able to raise um, <clears throat> a good bit of money very quickly within a, a, the first week after the trial um, or within the first week of launching the GoFundMe page. They raised uh, 60 grand, I think, and it's um, it's over 70 now. But I think the most important thing she's done is, um, and no discredit to any other attorneys that she's had, but if she, if you want someone who's going to fight for your case and your client, she has hired the right people. Eric Bland, <clears throat> he knows how to use the 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 media. He knows how to, um, you know, he's he's all about talking to the public. But he does it for his clients. And if you wanted somebody who will fight for you, you hire Eric Bland. And uh, if you don't get answers, you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of noise. And uh, uh, in the meantime, and so I think that's the most important thing they done. They did. And uh, Eric Bland, I hope you're healing up. Um, I'll tell you how he uses the media well. He does interviews from his hospital bed hours <laughs> after getting a complete and total knee replacement. But. Uh, Hope you're doing well, Eric. Every time I read that, I, I, I feel your pain literally, but I, I laugh at the amount of pain women go through because my wife would be yelling at me if I was whining about my knee pain. She'd say, I gave birth. My mother would say the same thing. Sandy Smith, Sarah Ford, is quoted as saying, I could not have imagined when we began this fundraiser, this GoFundMe for the exhumation, that it would take off the way it did. Thank you for not allowing Stephen's story to be swept under a rug. We will pursue the exhumation immediately and provide updates along the way. Do you fear that if it wasn't for this Alec Murdoch trial, we would never get an answer uh, as to what actually happened to Stephen Smith? And it's possible we still might not, I guess. Sure, it's possible. Um, but I tend to be an optimist, Joel. I, I tend to think that, you know, things will will rise to the top. And, and um, I am very heartened by the outpouring of support for Sandy Smith um, with with this GoFundMe 
um, fundraiser. You know, it's a lot of money to exhume a body, you know, to get, um, you know, folks to, to do that, to work on that, uh, investigators, it's, it's probably going to be well over, uh, 60, $70,000 that she's got. And it's really disappointing because the, the first autopsy that was done came back and said that it was, uh, you know, a hit and run, that it was not a homicide. Um, and that's really, it's disappointing, um, because the evidence that we've seen that's come out from this, um, does, does not support that initial finding from that autopsy. And yet, Sandy Smith is having to raise money to, to make sure this happens. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that she's able to get answers. I, I'm frustrated that sometimes a, a high profile case that there it's, you know, the names have been floated um, it, seemingly just by rumor um, has helped support her cause. I, I hate that for her because Stephen Smith, his life is his life mattered. Uh, Sandy Smith deserves answers um, and it shouldn't take a high profile case that captured the nation for, you know, six, seven, eight weeks to, to, to get a, get momentum going, but whatever it is that caused that I, I'm, I'm happy for Sandy and I really am hopeful for her and for answers for everyone. And uh, Jody writes, Susan, but you meant to say Sarah Ford is so right. Parents are killing their children more and more. It is awful. I don't know about the more and more, but I know it's been happening since the beginning of time, and it is a hideous, heinous crime. New subscriber, love you, SDS, enjoy your subscription. Oh, thank you so much. Misunderstood. Uh, like the name, too. Uh, so Ronnie Richter is Eric Bland's law partner. Um, and Steve, this one's for you. Uh, he came out this week, says he is promising to untangle this web that is the Stephen Smith case. And uh, I want to also ask you about Stephen Smith, since you were hired by the family as a private investigator. But this is his direct quote uh, from Ronnie Richter. There were no skid marks around his body. There was no vehicular debris found. His loosely tied shoes were still on his feet. It is our job today to launch a new investigation into this death in the hopes of finding real answers. Um, your response to what he is saying. I had two theories in Stephen's death. One involved the Murtaugh's and some other people, and one that didn't. And initially, when I began investigating this, I was in conversations and cooperation with SLED. They were sharing information with me. Now, they weren't sharing 100% of their information with me, but I was sharing 100% of what I was finding with them. My job was to find out who killed Stephen so I could tell Sandy, this is what happened to your son. That's always been my goal. The murders, all this other stuff, that, that's it's all part of the circus. I don't care about any of that. When I was investigating or pursuing the two theories, the, the theory A being the Murtaugh connection, theory B being others, the reason... I didn't, I pursued both theories is because each theory had their own holes. Each theory had unanswered questions. The, the sled told me unequivocally, they had evidence that Buster and Paul were not even in the county the day or the night that Stephen was killed. They told me that they could not find through telephone uh, communication and exploitation 
as well as internet and, and, and chat rooms and various things. They could not find a single connection between Stephen Smith and Buster Murtaugh. And the rumors were out there. There was full of rumors. Hell, when I got involved, it was five years after Stephen's death. There was nothing but rumors out there. So based on SLED's uh, advice to me that there was no connection there, I didn't pursue theory one anymore. I pursued the second theory, which involved two individuals who had gotten blindly drunk, hit something in the road with their vehicle, thought it, they didn't know what it was, but they were terrified because they were young. They were going to get arrested for DUI. They fled the scene. The next morning when they woke up and sobered up, they went out there to find out what it was they did hit. And that's when they found out the road was shut down. Police were all there. And that Stephen had been hit and killed. Sure, no skid marks. Sure, shoes on the feet. A lot of interesting points there. A lot of holes in the story. But what I found fascinating initially was that Hampton County responded first with the coroner. And, and of course, the coroner's, and we even saw that in, in Alex's trial, the coroner is really a political position. They're not medical experts. So they went out there, the coroner and the assistant coroner went out there, and they determined it was a gunshot wound to Stephen's head. So based on that, they contacted SLED, and SLED came down to the investigation. They had also contacted the highway patrol because it was in the road, and people just automatically assumed it was a vehicle accident. So they called, contacted the highway patrol, and their mate team, their designated accident investigative team came out. But SLED told them to stand down. We got this. This is a murder. Well, when you see the autopsy photographs and you read through the reports, there was no gunshot wound. It didn't even look like a gunshot wound. But there was so much blood on the scene, I don't believe the body was killed somewhere. Stephen was killed somewhere else and placed in the road. I don't believe that there would be that much blood left. He would have bled out before he was placed where he was placed. But then you look at, well, if, if, it's, if it's not murder, if the pathologist says this is not a gunshot, this is blunt force trauma consistent with that of a motor vehicle strike. If you look at it that way, Sled said, we got nothing to do with this. It's not a murder, not guns. It's a car accident. We don't want it. They gave it back to the highway patrol. So the highway patrol from day one pursued it as a murder. Highway patrol from day one said this was not a car accident. This was a murder. Well, now you got the guy. And listen, nothing against the highway patrol, but they're all accident guys. They know nothing about investigating murders. So this thing was handled so inappropriately. This was handled so incompetently, not, not intentionally, but just the, the people with the right knowledge were not handling this. I don't know why Hampton County did nothing. I don't know why SLED gave it back. Highway Patrol gave it up after six months. I don't know that they ever tried to interview Buster. I've, I've listened to and read every interview they've done. I've interviewed several of the troopers that were there. And, and they didn't really know how to follow up. They didn't know what questions to ask. So when I got involved, one of the first things I wanted to do was talk to Buster. Let's put all these rumors to rest. But Buster's, the lawyer said no, because I didn't get involved until Paul and Maggie were killed. Now we've got an open criminal investigation into the murder of Buster's mother and brother. We have an open criminal investigation into Stephen Smith. So 
It's it's sled that tied Stephen in with the Murtaugh's again. That's not rumors we created. That was sled telling us there's something here. Otherwise, we're here at a Murtaugh murder. Why are we investigating Stephen Smith again? Hey, I'm grateful that the uh, that the the attention has come back to Stephen. So maybe Sandy can get some answers. I told I have told Sandy who I believe is responsible for the death of her son. I've given her the names. I sat down with her and I also told her, I don't think this me. I don't don't be surprised if you never see a criminal prosecution. We don't have any physical evidence. It's it's almost eight years old now. So I don't know what they're going to prove, how they're going to prove it. Every time the case went from one agency to another agency, evidence was misplaced, evidence was lost, things fell through the cracks. So, and Stephen, what is your relationship with the family, with the Stephen Smith's family now? Are you working with them currently, or? Uh, I spoke to Sandy the other day. With Sandy and I communicate freak. I, I don't want to say frequently, but we we do communicate. And she told me that she had hired Eric to, and now what she explained was, was only to handle exhuming Stephen's body. But her last lawyer, you know, I was hired by Sandy's first lawyer. And then they had a disagreement. And and you can say what you want, but I have tremendous respect for Andy Savage, the attorney who, who I worked for, who represented Sandy initially. And I think everything he did was correct. And but Sandy wasn't expecting him to make a statement that he did. But this is not news to Sandy. I had sat down and explained to her, this is what I believe. And all all Andy said was literally, we don't have any evidence right now that the Murtaugh's are involved. For all we know, they may not be. And that just caused a fire. Because everybody around Sandy wanted the Murtaugh's involved. They all have agendas to drag that family in. So for whatever reason, they parted ways. But I continued on because now, <laughs> now it's my ego. Now I'm involved. I promise Sandy answers. And, and I'm not going to give up until I get the right answers. So I continued. But at this point, at this point, I've interviewed just about everybody I can interview. That uh, sled has come in behind me. They have adopted my theory on, on theory number two. They've spoken to at least one of the two individuals. I believe they've spoken to both. They tried to polygraph one. Didn't didn't work out. They, he, he didn't show up for the polygraph. I don't know to what extent they have continued. Sled and I have not spoken since Sandy departed company with her first lawyer. But her second lawyer did nothing. Never hired any investigators, never pursued any other leads. He, he did nothing to solve Stephen's mystery. So and now, is Eric going to do something? I, I have no idea. Maybe the autopsy will show something different. But really, what do we think it would show? Do we think it'll show a bullet? Do, is it going to show blunt force trauma with maybe a bat or a two-by-four? Perhaps. Maybe the vehicle that struck him was already damaged. If the if the glass is broken out of the mirror already and he gets struck by a, a side view mirror on a pickup truck, there's not going to be any glass left because it's already missing. Not I'm not saying that's what happened. But I, I I that's my best. 
and and after interviewing the people that were there that were involved that drove that truck i'm confident in my conclusion to sandy smith maria gutierrez writes justice for stephen smith patty writes murtog question mark that is uh steve peterson's boston. my pronunciation you can't you can't change boston you just let boston be boston um amy z to you would you let Buster, if he was your client, speak to a guy like Steve Peterson, who's investigating this, number one? And number two, uh, have you dealt uh, with a body being exhumed? And what can we expect from that? Um, so to answer your first question, I, you know, it depends. Um, I have let clients talk to police before, um, but but that's after I've been able to see the evidence to make sure that they're not going to get tripped up on something. Um so it really just depends. Um, and then to answer the second question, so um, it, it's interesting about the the body exhumation. I've seen it um, twice before. I've never seen it where the family has had to to pay for it. I know that, um, but that that is common because exhumations are expensive. Um, but certainly, you know, South Carolina has a victim rights act. I mean, it's a constitutional amendment, um, this victim rights act. So I, um, you know, I believe it's their right to, to be able to have an independent, um, autopsy, uh, you know, just like everything else in this case, though, it's, I think it's just going to be incredibly frustrating. I did watch the, the press release, um, where, uh, um, Richter was with Sandy and he was promising, you know, to do as much as a brand new, fresh investigation that they could. But, you know, much like every other shoddy investigation in this case, I mean, there's just so much time has passed. So many things are missed that, um, you know, to have to go back and try to, to piece it all together. I, I still, you know, I love that Sarah is optimistic. Um, and, I just, you know, I, I just fear that there have been so many mistakes. And I, I think that, you know, I, and I'll continue to say it. And I know that people, you know, will probably come at me for it. But, you know, SLED and, and their shoddy investigation in this, in the double homicide, which I think was more than pointed out, you know, they're never going to learn their lesson because they keep, they keep getting what they want. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's incredibly frustrating because that's not what justice is that's not um, you know if we had better cases um you know i would probably be able to convince more more clients to accept responsibility for what they're, they're guilty of um you know but it's not justice any way around when when it's done poorly and i just think that the amount of time that's passed and and the incredibly poor investigations are, are going to be the biggest hindrance in this case. And uh, Sarah, to you, you are, you say you're optimistic. Are you optimistic about this exhumation and what they might be able to find? And, you know, in terms of being able to solve this, I think that they're going to be, you know, you have to petition the court for an exhumation. I think that that will be granted. Um, I think that, uh, you know, sled, you know, I've just got an alert about that too, that, you know, sled Mark Keel is the chief of sled stating that he believes that this was not a hit and run. This was a murder. Um, and that sled is now, you know, putting all of their attention on this case. I am hopeful. 
and that's you know, that's just breaking right now, Sarah. Right. And, yeah, and we see Leah Baker here. Breaking news: Sled Mark Keels states he believes Stephen Smith was murdered. So that is the head of Sled coming out. I'm glad Go he's ahead, admitting Sarah. this eight years later. Well, it's it's convenient, you know. It's very convenient, and I think that what what Amy has said is is right on. You know, I'm I'm an optimistic person, uh, but I'm also a realistic person. You know, a, a case rarely gets better as time goes on, um, and so. You know, I, I'm hopeful that there will be answers for Sandy's sake. That is very different than me saying that I think that there will be a successful prosecution in this in this case. Those are two very different things. So I hope that on some level that Sandy is able to get some answers. But do I see this case being successfully prosecuted eight years later? Uh, I, I wouldn't take the odds on that. I wouldn't. But I, but I'm very glad that Sled's now come out and saying that you know we're we're going after this um, because. You know, it, it, it matters. It very much matters. You know, Stephen Smith um, was a gay kid in a southern town and deserves every bit of attention. His the investigation um, was not what it needed to be. Um, and, I, and I don't know why that was, but I'm glad that they're they're trying to correct that now. I don't think that's going to do a whole lot, but we'll see. And uh, no name for you, dang it, paid for this comment. Michael DeWitt fan club in the house, Michael. So you are uh, you are loved near and far. Um, Michael, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. So the head of SLED came out just now during this Surviving the Survivor podcast and says he believes that the Stephen Smith case is, in fact, a murder. Your response? <clears throat> Not at all surprised. <clears throat> I just got that alert myself. So as soon as we get off, I guess I need to get to work doing my job. Um, the uh, not surprised, but I'm also concerned like the other uh, panelists. This was a, a, a confused and shoddy investigation from the start. It's been eight years. If we get an arrest, um, I highly doubt there'll be an arrest. If there is, I highly doubt there'd be a conviction. I, I'm I'm pulling for justice. I really am. Uh, everyone even remotely connected to, to this whole crime saga. Justice is coming slowly for everyone, but Sandy Smith and the Smith family are kind of out there on their own little island. And there, there's an island with no answers and, and no, uh, no closure, no justice. And... Um, I'm deeply pulling for a positive outcome, but I'm kind of feeling like everyone else. I, it's going to be hard pressed to cover eight years of, of ground when, when the case wasn't investigated that well from the start and then to make a conviction. I think uh, any, any lawyer could get somebody off on, on a case like this because there'd, there'd be no direct evidence uh, um, unless there's something on somebody's cell phone uh, there's just no hard, I'm hard pressed to see some direct evidence in this eight year old case, but I'm hoping fingers crossed. I'm hoping I'm wrong. My wife says I'm wrong all the time. So I hope I'm wrong today. And as we say in news, everyone here seems cautiously optimistic. Paulistine writes, STS is my new sweet addiction. Always great guests. Always great discussions. That's a great addiction to have. Just ask Steve Peterson. You don't want to mm -hmm. be addicted to oxycodone. You want to be addicted to uh, surviving the survivor. 
Uh, so that is that is a, a good thing, not a bad thing. Eric Bland writes, uh, Eric Bland says, uh, Steve, uh, he was quoted, I think, last night or today in the media. What we're going to do is start over. We're going to hire experts who are going to come into this case with a fresh set of eyes, with an open mind, without any preconceived conclusions, being objective. And wherever the facts go, that's where the investigation will go. Is that a little overly optimistic on Eric Bland's part, Steve? I don't know that you can ever be overly optimistic. I'm cynical. I'm a cynical guy. That's just my nature. But I can tell you, you can hear the grandfather clock in the background. I can't do anything. I love it. I love it. It's eerie. Yeah, it kind of is. But I can tell you that, you know, that was my theory from the beginning. And I was that was five years ago, right? Five years after the murder. My theory was, what evidence do we have? But no one would share evidence with us. Because by the time I was involved, it was a reopened criminal investigation. So SLED had announced where because of the murders, we're reopening. So when we asked for discovery, when we asked for information, when we requested copies of reports, we were stonewalled everywhere. We tried to speak to the pathologist who conducted the autopsy on Stephen. They wouldn't let us. We couldn't speak to her. So we were trying to do all these things. I don't know how... Eric thinks he can do things differently, perhaps because of all the publicity, people now would be more willing to share, but nobody was willing to share. Nobody was. And when I was talking with SLED, when we were cooperating, I told them that, listen, in my world, I'm a Fed. We use grand juries all the time as investigative tools. Well, they don't use them that often in state cases, but they admitted that they had seated a grand jury to investigate the Murtaughs. And because Stephen Smith's case was reopened because of the Murtaughs, that this grand jury may also investigate Stephen. And I was like, that's what you have to do. You've got to put witnesses before the grand jury, lock in their testimony, because these kids at the time were 19, 20 years old, right? These were young kids at the time. When Stephen, Stephen was 19. So these kids are all about the same age. They've been keeping the secret for years, for at least five years. You grab a couple of the people that know things. Everybody knows something. But most of what they had, most of what I ended up chasing were rumors. Well, where did you hear this? I heard it from so-and-so. You go to so-and-so. Where'd you hear? Well, I heard it from Freddie. I heard it from Billy. I heard it from Karen. You know what I mean? You're playing this game. So I said... I narrowed it down to a list of witnesses that I gave to SLED. I said, put these guys before a grand jury. Lock in their testimony now. Then we can focus on disproving their lies. And somebody on the periphery will crack and say, I don't want to go down for the murder of Stephen. I'll tell you everything I know who's involved. Give me immunity. Give me a pass. And I think you would have found a DA that would have said, hey, there was a passenger in the backseat of the of the car. There's a passenger in the backseat of the truck. There was a passenger in the vehicle who wasn't aware of what happened, who didn't know that when they when they bashed Stephen's head in with an ob- with an object, they never expected that. They didn't know it was going to happen. They weren't part of that. That's not what they signed up for. If somebody came forward like that and said, I, I saw this, this is what happened. I feel confident a DA would give that person a pass to convict the person with the object, to kick, convict maybe the driver of the truck. 
maybe, maybe Eric will have better luck. Maybe he'll be able to convince the prosecutors to do that too. Maybe Mark Keel will be more apt if this grand jury is still seated to do that. I don't know if they're going to open a separate grand jury for Stephen. That'd be amazing. I, 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 Amy, you would know more about the odds of that than I would. And, and Amy, why don't we get to that and also throw this question in from Jesse Lynn. This is interesting. In the eight years, one thing that has changed is Alec Murdoch is now behind bars, and she says people may talk. Do you agree with that? Um, I, I, I do. I, I do think that that um, – I do think that that family still carries a lot of weight, and, and, and there are a lot more tentacles than just Alec. That's the problem. Um you know, it's not like you can walk out the door one day and just start toodalooing, you know, everybody's dirty laundry because um, because it, it, it he wasn't the he wasn't the 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 source of the problem. This, this was familial, generational, um, and 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 this family was very well connected. Um, so I don't I don't you know I don't I don't think that just putting Alec behind bars. Um, would you know would give somebody the confidence to to do that um you know and and as far as you know using state grand juries it's you know it's it's just it's done so differently things are done so differently down here um and you know again that's the side of the wall that i that i've never been on and, and i won't be on but i've read a lot of the transcripts um, I've read all the, the state grand jury testimony and transcripts in this case and um, in all these cases, actually. Um, and from the financial to the roadside, to the drugs, to the money, to the murders, I've, I've read them all. And um, I tell you, it's um, there are a lot of people whose names haven't been released that, that did some testifying that, that know a lot more. And, you know, I guess that's the frustrating thing is that when people want to um, say, oh, well, this is going to, you know, open up, you know, shine, as Mandy likes to say, shine sunshine on, you know, the deep, dark secrets. But the problem is, is, it, is that it's not um, it's not really getting to it. Like Sarah said earlier, there's, you know, a lot more to come. I think a lot more that we don't know about. Um, and. You know, I mean, I'm hopeful that that they start seeing the benefits of, like you said, Steve, um, maybe start offering some immunity to, to people, um, you know, who, who knows how it's going to go. And uh, Leah Baker, who's been following this, I guess, this press conference, Mark Hill believes that Hampton County will now feel comfortable talking. Uh, so that is, according to her, coming from the head of SLED, Harold Dull, a friend of the show. No oxy for me, only surviving the survivor, my only addiction. Love to hear that. You will not die from this. Might come close, but you're not going to die. Um, so, Michael, to you, um, Buster Murdoch obviously uh, hit his threshold yesterday, put out a statement regarding his connection to Stephen Smith um, and said that he tried to, and I quote here, to ignore the vicious rumors about my involvement in Stephen Smith's uh, traffic death that continue to be published in the media as I grieve over the brutal murders of my mother and brother. These baseless rumors of my involvement with Stephen and his death are false. I unequivocally deny uh, any involvement in his death, and my heart goes out to the Smith 
family. What did you make of that when you saw that statement cross your uh, desk? Uh, it's clear that Buster and his girlfriend and the family um, <clears throat> have been through a lot. It's clear that Buster and his girlfriend have uh, have had enough of the of the media, um, you know, for lack of a better word, the paparazzi. He's become kind of a an unwilling celebrity in all of this. People are taking pictures through windows and getting pictures of him taking out his trash. And uh, so, yeah, I think this is um, in light of the um, alleged harassment by by certain members of the press, this has probably helped propel this statement, but I'm curious as to why he didn't offer a statement anytime over the past eight years. I mean, uh, you know, um, in the days and weeks after Stephen uh, died, just as soon as we knew who it was, we started hearing these rumors all over Hampton County. Um, nobody came forward and addressed these rumors then. Uh, after the boat crash, Stephen's case was brought back to the public light. Uh, nobody in the Murdoch family, Buster, nobody addressed these rumors then. Nobody reached out and extended their condolences to um, to the Beach family, to the Smith family, to anybody. Their their tactic was, um, you know, hide behind your legal representation and we're going to win this thing in court. And uh, so it is, you know, I, I do feel for Buster. We had no direct evidence that he has committed any crime. Um, I know he's been harassed. And I think that the two people who have suffered uh, so much in this are Sandy Smith because she lost a son and has no answers. And Buster has suffered. He is, he has lost, even though his father's still alive, he's lost his whole family and he he wears a disgraced name. Even his nickname now has a stigma attached to it. Um, mm -hmm. All the crimes of Buster Murdoch, his, his great grandfather, um, going back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, have been brought to light. Uh, the he wears a disgraced name. He he he. His family is either dead or in in jail, and he's he's been through a lot. Um, so we do have to give him some 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 empathy and some sympathy. But I am curious as to why you're finally speaking out now and why not at any point in time over the last eight years. And that's an interesting point. So, Sarah, to you, you deal with uh, victims, particularly victims of domestic violence. Um, you can argue that uh, Buster Murdoch is a victim in his own right, having gone through what he just went through. But uh, at the same time, as Michael just mentioned, they've been silent all these years up until now. How do you negotiate that? And how do you think the public should be treating Buster Murdoch? I've said from the very beginning, you know, under South Carolina law, Buster is a crime victim. Um, he has constitutional rights that uh, should be protected. He has constitutional rights that he can try to assert. Um, I don't know that he's he's done that, but there should be protections for him. You know, just because you're a victim does not mean you have to endure harassment or stalking or any of these things that are happening. Um, and he's very clearly a, a victim under South Carolina law. Um, I think the timing of the of the press release from Buster, you know, very curious. I think it was about 30 minutes before the Sandy uh, Smith press conference. Um but I look at these as two separate separate cases. I know that there's so much that that people want to just try to weave um, through rumor and speculation and conjecture. But you know, Buster is a victim 
um, in in the case uh, in which his mother and brother were were murdered. Um, you know, Sandy Smith is the victim in the case um, in which her son was um, was murdered. Um, and I think that we've got to look at those very separately, very differently until the evidence tells us otherwise. You know, if and when the evidence shows us that there is there is overlap there. And I know that, you know, SLED came out a year or two ago or whenever it was that um, they reopened the Stephen Smith case. Um, and that's kind of where all, you know, the wheels started to run off with people just rolling um, with with trying to pull Buster's name into this. But, um, you know, if if there's evidence, then then we will hear it. But until there is, uh, people need to to leave him alone, leave Buster alone. And quite frankly, need to leave Sandy Smith alone. She's been getting a lot of heat on as to what she's actually going to do with this money. Uh, a lot of speculation about that as far as how she's going to spend the the money that's been raised with the GoFundMe. That's really disgusting. Um, you know, she is a grieving mother. She's just looking for hope and looking for answers for, for her son and for her family. So we'll see. And uh, Sarah Ford with a very reasonable approach. Maria Gutierrez writes, I feel sorry for Buster. People need to leave him alone. Uh, let the law enforcement let law enforcement do their job. But then it's followed by this comment, Amy Z. I think Buster was getting crap. I could use another word for befriending Stephen. The Murdochs don't put up with a stain on the family name. They're involved, in my opinion. So there's always going to be people out there who are suspicious and, uh, you know, uh, and believe that there could be uh, more sinister uh, intentions Um what are your thoughts on Buster Murdoch and how should the public be treating him right now? I mean, I, I agree with Sarah, you know, I, I do think he is an absolute victim. Um, what, you know, whatever personal run-ins I've had with him, I think come from a place of just fear and overwhelming, um, you know, um, I, I see this a lot um, in criminal cases. You know, I, I, I liken it to criminal defense to, to criminal defense and criminal defendants is, you know, people hear or read something on the news um, that's not been properly vetted um, or is just based in rumors. And um, I think it affects a lot of accused people, you know, as well as certainly in this case in, in, in Buster's situation. Um, I do you know, absolutely believe he is a victim along with, with Sandy and anybody who's lost people. And um, just the, it, it, it really blows my mind, um, you know, that that the media or I guess people pretending to be the media or, where I, you know, I'm not quite sure who these people are, whether they're just, you know, actual investigative reporters or, or just people, you know, pretending to be sleuths or whatever. But, you know, the, the invasion of privacy is, you know, is, um, is, is overwhelming. And, you know, I, I know that um, his reactions at times in the court, I mean, they almost always had a camera on him as well, either whether he was in the background or they had a whole separate camera on him. And, you know, I know that he got a lot of flack for how he did or didn't react in a certain way. Um, you know, and I think it's just human nature for people to want to do that. But there's just no way to, to know what's going through that poor kid's head. Um, and I say kid, I mean, he's not even 30 yet. And, you know, you look at the life and the and the leadership that he has had vis-a-vis uh, -vis his dad 
and 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 grandfather and you know the 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 trouble that has come along with that and and it, it's just you know i can't i can't say what a normal reaction would be to that um you know i, I it, it 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 is very it's very sad um you know and and i and i hate it i do hate it for him uh jen right sandy smith said uh in regards to what sarah ford just said she wants to create a scholarship with the extra funds followed by uh this mel mel do you really think buster is being stalked and harassed yelling what did you do to steven in a public place is rude and may have hurt his feelings but i think he's probably exaggerating so there's always going to be this i don't know uh not the same level level of empathy towards a family like this. I don't think that maybe others might get. Jennifer writes, Buster could just be numb of feelings after such a trauma and dealing with his father. One quick thing that I want to also get to, and then we'll get some closing thoughts. Um, and Michael, if you could address this. Jim Griffin's back in the news, and he's not a happy camper because some conversations got out between him and Alec uh, from jail. Uh, he confirmed Attorney Jim Griffin saying, yeah, that's me, and I'm mad as hell, he told Fox News Digital. Uh, other questions I have are who else had access and listened to those calls. You can tell from the clip we were absolutely talking about trial strategy. What about the fact that this has become such a media spectacle that now some uh, calls which go under attorney-client privilege have been released publicly uh, to a podcast and elsewhere? I haven't been following that um, that particular story that closely, but I'm not surprised. I mean, um, you know, the the jail conversations of, of Alex um, were uh, were published publicized earlier in the uh, Alvin Glenn Detention Center. Uh, even his shopping list was publicized. We know what what um, you know what he bought, what what mayonnaise he bought. Um, we know his size underwear. So I'm not at all surprised. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, obviously if it, if it was a client attorney privilege, I think um, somebody made a mistake, but uh, I'll pass this on to someone else because I haven't been following it that close. Uh, anyone else want to take that up? Sarah yeah. Ford, maybe Amy Z. Well, sorry. Yeah. I, I want to interject just because, um, yeah, I saw something on, I, I give myself about 20 minutes every four hours to, to just, veg out and usually that means like scrolling facebook instagram or tiktok and this round happened to be tiktok earlier in the day and there was some you know somebody on there who said you know if the if the prosecution had this um that's an automatic mistrial well and there were so many things again that just weren't complete in what he was presenting to the um you know, in his TikTok, but this, that call was released as a result of a FOIA from a member of the media or someone that, that was doing a podcast that, that's not something that the um, state ever looked for, asked for um, any of that. Um, and, you know, and I know it sounds like I'm defending the state, which I never do, but what I'm defending is the, <laughs> but what I am defending is the, the honor of, of lawyers. One thing that I do really appreciate is even when I was dealing with the attorney general's office and it's still dealing with them, um, you know, they're very careful to not have anybody that's involved in these prosecutions, even screen those calls. It's a paralegal from another division of the attorney general's office. So there's no, there's no um, chance that, that they would get that information. Um, and I believe that I read uh, an apology from the Colleton County Sheriff's 
department saying that they were supposed to have screened, you know, which calls were, were, um, were protected and which, and, and that they simply made a mistake, um, you know, and, and, and I, what's frustrating to me is that, you know, anybody, anybody knows that that's Jim's voice. We've listened to him for, for multiple, not just six weeks in a row, but you know, <laughs> lots of times before that. Um, and, and anybody knows that that would Jim, vo that would be Jim's voice. And so it, it's frustrating again, um, you know, to have somebody in the media take that and just put it out there just because they can. And, and it's just incredibly frustrating. I, I think it, it thwarts, it, it thwarts the system. Um, sure. It gives us some voyeurism and insight into, you know, what a client and an attorney were thinking of during trial. But, you know, if we, as a, as a nation can't honor, you know, the rules, it, 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 I just think it, it, it really, it, it really makes it challenging for victims, for defendants, for anyone to, to get true justice. And, and I just don't think it's right. Good point. Valid point. Uh, the chief marketing officer has put this uh, here. Listen on audio platforms, question mark. Please rate our episodes and write a review. Give five stars if you like what you hear. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We are trying to get our audio numbers on par with our YouTube numbers. It's like a uh, swing. One goes one way and then it goes the other way. Michael DeWitt, I bet you didn't know that Solicitor Randolph was part of SDS Nation uh, from the grave. He says, you all know there's no evidence tying Buster to Steven. Maybe I can introduce you to after the show uh, if you want to get a scoop. But uh, Steve That's Peterson. That's my photo. Um, say that again. The the photo this uh that's with that comment is a photo I took during an interview in 2018. So that's kind of funny. Well, Solicitor Randolph, you need to be paying Michael DeWitt for that photo, <laughs> Solicitor Randolph. How dare you? Steve Peterson, the man with that funny Boston accent who says the word wicked, loves the Boston Bruins. Um, he was a senior special agent with the United <laughs> States Department of Justice, the Drug Enforcement uh, Administration, otherwise known as the DEA. He was the most senior DEA agent in the world at the time of his retirement, which I'll tell you means he was the oldest uh, person on the streets. He's now a South Carolina private investigator. Uh, uh, doing it, you heard. I'm not a private investigator. I am not. I am just a guy who asks questions. That is it. That's all okay. I am. A man who asks questions, and I'll ask you a question. Where does this Stephen Smith saga go from here, especially in light of the fact that we just heard that the head of SLED is saying that this was a murder? Where where does it turn next? You know, uh, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'd like to say better then late good than What good are ever. you? Then what good are you? Yeah, yeah well, I'm, obviously I'm not very good. Nobody's in jail yet. And that was my goal. And I was unsuccessful in, in completing my goal. I believe I'm accurate in my in my theories with them. I've provided all of that information to SLED. I gave them all the inf everything that I uncovered. I gave to them typically on the day I uncovered it. And I, I hope they can make something of it. I have no idea what they did once we parted ways. But, uh, you know, when I spoke to Sandy... Uh, many times over the past, well, since I met her almost two years ago now, just after Paul and Maggie's death, um, you know, I would ask her every time I would meet her, 
Have you heard anything? Has anybody contacted you? Have you heard anything new? Has any new leads come up? And she would tell me the same thing. She would say, no, nobody's called me. Nobody said anything. And because of the Netflix show that came out, Netflix is getting some leads. People are calling in with information. They're forwarding those leads to me. I have been investigating and looking into them. When there's something of value that comes out of that, I, I will forward it to Sandy. I've tried to contact SLED before and give them some information, but they didn't call me back or didn't text me back. I can only offer so much. And, and if you don't want to take it, you don't have to. But I'm not looking for credit on anything. I just want Sandy to get some closure. Hell, I, you know, I've been there, done that. I have that T-shirt. I, I don't need any more crap. It's a great point. I mean, it's all about Sandy Smith. It's all about getting that closure uh, for her son, uh, Stephen Smith. Meanwhile, Amy Zimmerchak, she is the owner of the AJZ Law Firm, uh, LLC, focusing on criminal defense. If you guys don't know, uh, when she was talking about taking a break to uh, scroll on TikTok, that's because she works like 18 hours or 21 hours a day. I just don't know how she does it. She's been voted a member of Super Lawyers continuously since 2019. She's had over 10 not guilties on felony cases, including murder and rape since 2009. Do you keep that pace up on the weekend as well, uh, Amy Z? Do you work through the weekends? Uh, it depends if I have a, a trial or not. Uh, but this weekend I did not. And I can tell you that Sunday I met my family for lunch and then came back home to take a nap. Uh, it was an early lunch, came back home, taken up and woke up at 5.30 and I thought it was 5.30 the next morning. Um, so, no, I, I definitely um, try to use my my non-trial weekends to be able to to sleep. Your uh, closing thoughts. It could be on anything. It could be on Sarah Ford's floral blouse. It could be on <laughs> Steve Peterson's grandfather clock or uh, as it relates to murder. Well, Sarah and I went to law school together, so... Um, I've been admiring her wardrobe for years, um, but um, you know, I, I in some ways I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm exhausted, um, you know, with the topics of of this case because not of this podcast, but I mean of this case, just because I feel like right now we're kind of in a in a in a hamster wheel, um, you know, and I really really wish that that we could, you know, move forward. I, I think, you know, it, SLED needs to, you know, I, they're making steps maybe now, you know, coming out and saying that it's a, you know, that it they believe it's a homicide, um, things like that. I think that, um, you know, I think that they need to, to, to really start moving forward and to really kind of expand um, the investigation. Like Sarah said earlier, you know, I think there's a lot more to uncover um, you know, I think that there's a lot of, of things that need to be to be looked at. And I just hope that what comes out of this is is good. I hope that it, it's good for justice. Um, you know, I, I keep reading comments where it says, oh, lawyers are all snakes and lawyers are all bad. And and it breaks my heart. Um, one of the reasons that I work so hard and advocate, you know, for people. And, that, and that's what I do. I, you know, I don't advocate to free criminals or to, to, you know, I advocate for the constitution and I advocate for justice and, you know, and I, I just hope that the people 
like Eric, you know, and, and that are, I think, a small group of us, we, we really want it to be, and I, I think it's probably a bigger group than I, than I think, you know, but I, I really think that we want something positive to come out of this, um, whether it's answers, um, whether it's, you know, respect, again, for, for the legal profession, whether it's all of those things. Um, I just hope that something good comes out of this. Carolyn A. writes, nothing would have happened in investigating Stephen Smith's murder had Alec Murdoch not been exposed. That should tell you everything. Followed by Lyndon, Texas, a hit and run death is a murder. Why didn't they investigate it further? Sarah Ford, she served as legal director at the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network since 2017. She leads a team of attorneys and advocates to provide direct legal services to South Carolina crime victims. She's also a former South Carolina prosecutor. And host of Palmetto Primetime, one of the hottest podcasts in all the world. Sarah, your closing thoughts today. Uh, well, thank you for that, Joel. And thanks for having me on. Um, and it's it's TJ Maxx, Amy. Um, I'm a nonprofit <laughs> lawyer, so I shop a lot at TJ Maxx. Um, you know, I, I've said it a, a gazillion times. I, I, I want justice for everyone involved here you know i wanted justice for for maggie and paul murdoch you know i want justice for stephen smith and, and his mom sandy smith and their family you know there are there are constitutional rights that sandy can assert including the right for law enforcement to give them access to documents related to the case that's a constitutional right you just have to assert that right i hope that they will do that and they will honor that um because she deserves that especially after eight years of, of trying to get answers for her, for her son, um, and, and not having those. Um, I, I'm also, uh, discouraged Amy, at least for a second when I see those comments about lawyers, because there are a lot of really great lawyers out there. I think that the majority of lawyers are good. And if there are a few that give us a really bad reputation or bad name, um, but it's, it's the honor of my lifetime to be a lawyer, to stand for justice, to fight for victims, um, to I've represented defendants. It is it is truly the most. I can't imagine doing anything else. And so, um, you know, anything that that you know Eric Bland can do and Ronnie Richter and those folks can do to to try to bring some justice for Stephen Smith, I, I totally support. Um, but also, I think that we got to just buckle up because this is not over. It's not over. I know we're in a hamster wheel, but we've got some things coming up, and we've just got to. Be prepared for it. So, Lisa writes, hey, y'all. Met some of the nicest people covering this case, and I started to say y'all, which I love. John Shepard, all roads lead back to the Murdochs. That is still the sentiment among so many. Um, our guest of honor today, Hampton County native Michael M. DeWitt Jr. He's a multiple award-winning journalist and longtime editor of the 143-year-old the Hampton County Guardian. His on-the-ground coverage of the Murdoch crime saga has been published in print and online around Gannett's nationwide USA Today network, and he's appeared on ABC's 2020, CBS's 48 Hours, Dateline NBC, and Netflix documentaries to discuss the case. Michael, where do we go from here? Um. I agree with uh, with Amy. There's a whole lot to uh, to unravel yet. Yeah, this case is far from over. Um, 
I don't know. There's just so many things to talk about, so many things to to consider. Um, when you mention all the the TV programs and everything that I've been on, um, I was like a lot of Hampton County people when this first started. I tried to avoid all of this. I turned down interview after interview. I turned down court TV. I turned down um, national networks, and I I did my job. I told. I wrote the stories. I covered this case. But I tried to avoid this national exposure, but I changed my mind after a little persuasion by my company um, because I was uh, it was brought to my attention that nobody could tell our story like we could. And that's what I've been trying to do is tell the Hampton County and the Low Country story. And I think it's a story of right now of pain and hurt. And, and betrayal, uh, it's, a, it's a tragedy for the Murdoch family, it's a tragedy for the Beach family, the, the Smith family. But as I've stated in some of my stories and in, um, as a speaker when we announced uh, the Gloria, Gloria's Gift Foundation, every story has an ending and uh, not every uh, character in the story is gonna get a happy ending but I'm hopeful that there'll be a lot of positives come from this tragedy. We're going to have, you mentioned the legal community. Um, the legal community is going to um, reform itself and, and police itself and try to work harder to spot and eliminate these bad apples. I think the, um, the banking system in our area has been forced to take a hard look. You know, if we don't want to pay millions of dollars and, and be exposed to criminal liability, we've got to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, the boat crash uh, is a is a there's no more there's no stronger testament to the dangers of underage drinking than that boat crash. Um, there are a lot of moral lessons to be learned throughout this thing. Um, one positive I take from Stephen Smith's story is what it's done for the gay community. The gay um, I don't know the proper you know LGBTQ. I don't want to be politically incorrect, but to be different in a small town is uh is not an easy thing to do and this has brought attention to to to, to this young man and his life and um the 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 community the gay community rallied around Stephen and his mother and i think that's a positive outcome um whether they all get answers and justice in the form of an arrest or conviction remains to be seen but i think in the end, it may be a generation from now, but there will be positives, more and more positives come from this. And when all the, the blood is, is, is washed away and all the pain is eased off, I think that um, the low country in Hampton County will be a better place. And hopefully the state of South Carolina um, will, will be in a better place. Well said. Eloquently said, 100%. And are you working on the book already, Michael, the post-trial book? Uh, I just finished uh, one book, um, and I'm trying my best to finish the uh, the fall of the House of Murdoch. Um, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, just imagine telling a story with so many in, uh, angles, so many uh, chapters, so many characters. Uh, <clears throat> wish me luck. Pray for me. It's it's challenging. Let's all. Pray for Michael, please. Andy School, friend of the show, writes, great show again, STS. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, 
Steve Cohen, thanks, Joel's boss wife, followed here by Lisa, who says, TJ Maxx rocks, and uh, Sarah Ford giving a thumbs up on that. Quick programming note, we have an amazing show tomorrow night. You definitely do not want to miss it. It sounds like a news cliche right there, but it is the truth. Um, we have Jody Plowshay on the program. Uh, in 1984, he was being sexually assaulted, victimized uh, by his martial arts teacher. Um, I believe he was abducted. Uh, the martial arts teacher was apprehended, brought back to an airport in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There were news crews there to capture uh, the perpetrator's return. Uh, another person who was there that no one knew was Jody Plouchet's father, Gary Plouchet. And he shot and killed the perpetrator as news crews were rolling. It was the most watched murder ever at that time with over 20 million people seeing it uh, on the television. And tomorrow night, Jody Plouchet is our guest. And he's being interviewed by doctors Ann Burgess and Dr. Gary Bricado. And of course, is... Famous, uh, the show Netflix Mindhunter was loosely based off of her work, and she will be doing the interview with Gary Bricado. So please tune in for that. And then later in the week, we'll do our great Scott. It's your true crime, Phil, live on Friday, I believe at 1230 Eastern. And then back live with my mother, who's moving around, 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday night. Until then, love you, America. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.